So we're back discussing the precepts. <laughs> you had a break? Break's over. <laughs> but what I wanted to do um, was ask, ask you to tell me how you, how you relate to the precepts at this stage of your practice. Like, what, what do the precepts mean to you? Maybe you've taken them, maybe you haven't, but, but what do you think of when you think of the precepts? Or how, how can, you see, uh, can you see a way to work with them in your life? So the first one of ahimsa, which is 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 uh, important in yoga too, isn't it? So ahimsa is harmlessness. So so ahimsa covers all of them, right? You, if you want just one precept to think about, it's to to cause no harm, and that means to ourselves and others. So we usually put that at the very top, but that's when we talk about not to kill another living being. We kind of put our harm, put harmlessness there, to do no harm to ourselves or to any other. And uh, Sherry, so you're working on speech now. So, so the, first pre- the first five precepts, there's not telling a lie. And then what are the three that we add then in the eight precepts? Who's working on their speech? <laughs> Do you remember the, the three? We add three more in the eight precepts. That's the only thing we add. If you're moving from the five to the eight lifetime, you, you're really only adding three more things to work with with your speech. Okay, and did you have something too? That's right, stealing is the second one. Yeah. And when we talk about not stealing, we're talking about not even taking people's ideas from them or not taking something even if we think it might be okay unless that person gives it to us, right? And speech, Todd, you got all three right. So this, so our speech, when you know, the, you can see how important speech is, how important it was to the Buddha, and to his, the, the everything he's talking to us about about our our morality and ethics. Those three additional precepts are about speech. So it's you know we can have all kinds of things going on in our head, but what we want to start doing is being able to see something rising up. Are you catching yourself, Sherry, when it when you start to feel it rise up? Because because like right now, what what might you be thinking about the motorcycles outside? <laughs> yeah, they're loud. Why are those people? Why don't those people have mufflers on their bikes? Like, you know, you, and all those kind of things. It can stay in your head, 
But if we start saying it, if we start saying those things, it becomes like the harsh speech or the malicious speech. Could even be just idle chatter. You know, you get into a debate about whether motorcycles should have mufflers or not. But it's, it's that the discipline of not letting a lot of those things just come out uh, without thinking about it, to, letting, them, letting those things just kind of well up in us and then just letting them go. Because once something comes out as speech, then we've got to deal with the repercussions of it. We've got to deal with maybe someone we hurt or something we say that might not really be uh, fair to say about someone, someone that uh, speech that hurts another person. So we start working with things as they arise, and our speech is probably the best example of that. Right. If you have, well, that's a good question. What do you do if you're with friends and they're gossiping and you don't agree even with what the, what they're saying is right? You can leave, right? Or you can, or you can be silent. And sometimes that silence is pretty powerful too because it's no fun. <laughs> yeah, and then then you. And you can always say, I'm working on right speech. I'm, but my project this year is to, is to only use uh, right speech. Just tell them that. They probably don't want to hear any more. But then somebody might ask you later what that means. Uh-huh. Um, on, I think it was Saturday. I was at the Metro train Were you one of those guys? <laughs> well, that that idle chatter is the hardest one, right? So, but but the monks, maybe people are watching monks more closely than they watch everyone else. So, um, I think we all engage in that. Sometimes it just we think of it as friendly conversation or waiting for a train conversation, right? But we can always be a little bit more aware of it, like be, be aware if what we're saying is just to fill the space or to fill the silence. <clears throat> but mainly we want to be sure, even if we're talking about the weather, which is pretty much idle chatter, that we're not, that we're not doing any harm. We're not talking, the main thing is that we're not talking about someone or saying things that could be harmful, uh, or you know, laughing at the expense of others, uh, and then those those things I think is where we start things that might be harmful, or that that someone else watching it could think was 
you know, unnecessary. But I think we all enjoy being with friends and talking, right? And so there, there we have to find our own middle path. Because if we just give up all social conversation, it's, it's probably very hard on us and also our friends and our family. So I think that's one of those things that we really have to look at a middle path. So if you're, sometimes, you know, you might be with people who are so uh, invested in what they're saying that they're not listening to anybody. So a good, a good rule of thumb is to work to become a good listener. And then, then that's going to cut out a lot of chatter, right? Of unnecessary chatter. Because we're really trying to listen to the other person, even if they're talking about the weather. You know, we, those, um, so that's a tough one though. It's really, it's really hard. I know it's hard for me. So it's, it's all, we're always trying to balance, uh, enough friendly conversation to not make a situation feel really awkward. But in your case, like if your friends are gossiping and you know it's harmful, then sometimes we have to decide to just leave or just, you know, say, well, I'm working on right speech, so this is not a conversation that I think is right speech. But but I think the other good solution is when you're in just a an okay but kind of blah conversation, just become a really good listener. And whoever you're listening to will like that. Speech is the hardest. That's why... I mean, you can see how important speech was because it's the entire difference between the five precepts and the eight. We're just the other ones are the same old precepts. We just keep working on those, but speech we have to start somewhere and then get better with it. Does anybody else have uh, things that they've seen with working with uh, with speech that that's helpful? Yeah, I think that's the whole point too, right? That we try to have that just the way when we're meditating, we're learning to just stay with our breath, kind of kind of stay with that present moment with our speech. It's really good to maybe breathe, take a few breaths before we say anything in a conversation. Like really give ourselves a second or two to think about it. Because then the Buddha said he made it even even more challenging. So in other talks he talked about is is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it the right time? And is it the right place? So in addition to the other limitations on the kind of speech, there are all those things that make it be appropriate. You know when we when we even use speech. So silence and listening is always a better choice. <laughs> but those are, those are important things to work with. We, I mean, all of us, I know, can improve on our speech or our listening. So, so who's taken the uh, 
the uh, bodhisattva vows or the ten perfections. Todd? <laughs> Has anybody else? Hmm. So, how do you work with the ten? Does everyone remember what the ten perfections are? I have to review them all sometimes, but um, they're pretty straightforward and common sense. Uh, you have to remember you want to help other people to reach enlightenment. So, for myself, I try to help other people by teaching them. This is body, body, and I. And um, would you would you teach? Buddhism. <laughs> Was it part of the Buddhism? You got an hour and a half. So um, uh, I had a PowerPoint that people enjoyed and talked about chanting, talked about uh, I guess you call it devotion part of Buddhism. As opposed to the academic so when we get so if you if you choose to take those the ten perfections or we also call them the bodhisattva vows <clears throat> now you have a Tibetan background but in the in Theravada Buddhism we don't talk a lot about becoming bodhisattvas we don't really work with the bodhisattvas the way Tibetan Buddhists do. We do have a large statue of a bodhisattva outside our building. But we, we aren't, uh, we're, what do the Mahayana call us? The selfish ones, right? Because in, in the Theravadan tradition, we always talk about starting with ourself. That we we, we have to, you know, take the oxygen mask first before we help anybody on the plane. So it's not that we don't want to help the other people on the plane, it's just that we really recognize we need to help ourselves first so we can help other people. But sometimes I like, call, when we call them the bodhisattva vows, I prefer using the ten perfections just because it seems more Theravadan. Um, but but those are the qualities that we we can make. Uh, instead of having guidelines, the ten perfections are the qualities. Now, let me try to get it. Mary, you've got to correct me if I don't. Generosity and our ethical behavior, morality. Uh, renunciation. Uh, energy and wisdom. Those are the first five. And then, then you do. If you're a little kid, then you go, that's five. <laughs> and then, then the next are patience, truthfulness, uh, uh, what's the next one? Determination. Determination. Uh, loving kindness. And upeka is equanimity. Is that ten? So those are the ten. Those are qualities that we can spend, you know, several lifetimes working on. But they're the same qualities that we talk about all the time, not in that order. That's why I can't remember. The, 
But we talk about those qualities all the time as in, in any kind of Buddhist discussion or any kind of talk. Those are constantly the qualities that we talk about uh, working on in our lives. And, and so they're not, they're not new to us. They're all very practical ways to live our human lives. And they also are extending out loving kindness and compassion, all those all generosity, everything is being extended out to others as well. But the, the main thing we need to focus on is developing the quality within ourselves. And when we do that, it is, it is the most natural thing in the world then to extend it out. We don't keep the quality of compassion just for ourselves. We feel it, we have compassion for ourselves, but then the natural outflowing is to extend it out to others. So they're really beautiful qualities, whether you do it, whether you do it, they're the qualities of a Buddha and the qualities of a Bodhisattva. So we know they're the qualities that some, that, a, uh, that someone has to have before they can even be a Buddha or a Bodhisattva. But they're also the most basic qualities that we all want to embody in our lives. So I think they're, uh, we can, we're working on those all the time anyway. So nice to have them. Do you, do you sometimes work with a particular quality, like specifically think about that quality to work on, or? Not really, no. All of them are sort of, um, they all boil down to helping other people. <coughs> so I try to focus on that one. I like the, uh, this is Zen, sort of Zen, Japanese formula for the, Bodhisattvas, and that um, sentient beings are numberless. I promise to save them all. The Dharma is limitless. I, I take the vow to understand it all. Delusions are endless. I promise to end them all. And the Nirvana is unsurpassable. I promise to achieve it. I sort of think of that one. And I don't have to remember 10, only four. You don't have to what? I don't have to remember 10, only four. Oh, only four. That's all your that's all your good background in a in the Mahayana tradition. So those are the those are the precepts. And when we talk when we talk about having a ceremony here for the precepts, uh, w- someone can take the precepts every single day when you wake up in the morning. You can have the intention to do no harm, the intention to. Uh, not be not engage in any kind of in in uh, taking something that doesn't belong to you or in sexual misconduct or uh, telling being dishonest or telling a lie or or uh, you can re- have the intention not to become heedless and that when we talk about the precept about not becoming heedless with alcohol and uh, recreational drugs, we know now that there are a lot of things besides those two that make us heedless. So it can be gambling or shopping or eating or um, TV or 
uh, you know, all the, there's, we have so many things to become heedless with that it's kind of an open door. We can just think, think of the, think of your favorite way to kind of disconnect. You don't have to be drinking or, uh, taking drugs to just want to, you know, walk away from it all for a while. And usually we do something else that causes us just to, like, I don't want to be mindful. I don't want to see any, see or do or, you know, I want to kind of stop the world and get off for a little bit. All those are the things that we do that keep us from being mindful. It might just be because we've had a really bad day and we want to break from it. But we all have our little, we all have our little things that uh, help us kind of intentionally walk away from mindfulness. And that's, that's something we can just work with over time because we're always, this entire practice is working with our minds to understand the way our mind works and to know how to work with it the best way and how to always keep our awareness and our effort to keep that, that going, our energy and our effort and our determination, those qualities are all, those are the qualities also in the, the Ten Perfections. Those are the qualities that we need just to stay on a spiritual path. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. So when, if, we, if we find that we're kind of uh, wanting to be like, I need a break, I need to get away from all this stuff, life, um, we need to, we, we can start examining that too. Like maybe I don't need to go shopping so often when I'm in a bad mood. Or maybe I can just sit and meditate on why am I, you know, my bad mood. What does it feel like to be in a bad mood? What does it feel like to uh, want to just turn off to the world? And let that be the focus of our attention and see that might be something that we were choosing to help us turn off. And we can just look at that when we, when we sit, kind of look at it from all those different uh, angles to see, okay, so I'm eating, so I just ate a whole quart of ice cream. How does that feel? Right now, how does that feel? Now, I'm lactose intolerant, so I know exactly how I'd feel. <laughs> it'd be about as, it'd be like hell. But that's when we go to those hell worlds, right? When we do something to take our mind off of something else, we usually end up in a, in a worse place, feeling really bad about whatever we did to, to distract ourselves from, uh, from life. But, we can use those things even as uh, something to meditate with. We can look at that. What does it feel like to eat a quart of ice cream to get a, to numb myself? You know, how, do, how does my body feel? How do I, you know, how does it make me feel mentally? I'm just using ice cream as not my particular vice. So, <laughs> um, Eating too much chocolate. Or it's the same thing as drinking too much, right? because we're doing something to an excess to cause us to stop thinking for a while. 
And it's good to not think, but it's better to do it on the cushion and just do it as a meditation instead of uh, figuring out some way to numb ourselves. It's that numbing ourselves that we want to try to uh, try to avoid if we can. Instead, be awake to everything. Let everything, let everything be valuable to us. And we can do that in our meditation practice. So if you, if you would, the uh, precept ceremony is October the 12th. So whether you're taking precepts or not, it's a wonderful day to come to, uh, on that Saturday because it's a lovely ceremony to watch. And there's a, a, it creates a nice feeling of community, I think. But you don't feel any pressure to take the precepts, but taking the precepts can give you some valuable guidelines just to help you continue on your path. It's not, it's not a requirement, but when we take the precepts, we also do take refuge. We take refuge in the Buddha and the Dhamma and the Sangha. So to me, I think of those things as becoming there, the, the Buddha is our teacher, and the Dhamma is, is truth, the truth that we see in nature, that we see in the world around us. And the Sangha is the community of other people that we luckily are really fortunate to have a, a good big community here. But we take refuge in those things when we take the precepts, and to me personally, it's like those those become my anchor. So they they keep me they keep me anchored in something, so I don't forget about it or wander away too far without thinking. Wait, I have those things. If I'm having a difficult time, as my anchor, it always reminds me at some point come back to those things, the teachings of the Buddha. And the, the teachings themselves, the Buddha as an example, and the Sangha as, as people I can trust and part of my community. So taking those, the, the, those three as refuge is for me like taking, taking an anchor. So when something does come up, my tendency would, is typically to forget. But if something's my anchor, I know to go back to that and, and uh, look at it over and over again as the maybe probably the solution to whatever it is I'm trying to work with, whatever I'm trying to figure out. So we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, and then we take the precepts not as, not as rules or commandments, but as guidelines for our life just something to help us uh, as a focus. Like if something's not going right, it's, all, it's always something we can look at or something we can just reflect on uh, or say every morning. The, just the precepts can be your intention for every day. So it's a good practice to even read them every morning when you wake up and read them as my intentions for today and a good way to start your day off. So it was very important. The precepts have been around. There are precepts in yoga and all other 
uh, spiritual paths, and many share the same ones, but um, these are not things that we talk about, okay, I can't take the precepts until I perfect all of these. We take the precepts so we can use them to work with from from that day on in a more, you know, we're acknowledging, okay, these are some guidelines that, that I think make a lot of sense, and so these are things I want to... Uh, I want to look at in my life and then find how I want to address them. And we all, we all do it in different ways. So, anybody else have a question before we close or a thought or a comment? Uh huh. What did you mean by renunciation? Renunciation is when we it usually sounds like it's telling someone you have to become a, a monk, right? Or a give up everything. Renunciation is really letting go of things that no longer serve us well. So it's, it's a very natural process to let go of things that we don't really need. So it might be ideas, or it might be uh, certain attitudes, or certain... Like maybe letting go of anger could be that can be renunciation, or letting go of letting go of an attitude about something that doesn't serve us well. So as we see, it's not like letting go of our house or our car, or it's not that kind of renunciation. It's more just letting things kind of uh, slip away naturally when they don't serve us anymore. Not hanging on to things, not clinging to things. It's a good question. Thank you for asking it. So anything else? So I'll try not to beat you too much over the head in the next couple of months about the precepts, but uh, we will talk about them again. Okay. Thank you, everybody.